Welcome to the Busy Being Born podcast with your hosts Kamande and Kigondu. Welcome, Karibuni Sana, to another episode of the Busy Being Born podcast. Um, thank you for listening to this episode. If you're listening to this in 2021, PBE is an independent theater, film, and arts company, a production company located in Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, founded in late 2015 um, and gone on to stay, it has gone on to stage nine productions by the year 2020, right before the pandemic. Um, stalled live events for a while. They have established themselves as an arts powerhouse with their signature profound and riveting productions. Um, their filmmaking wing, that is Beyond Entertainment, has seen them release a couple of short films and collaborations so far, some of which include The Well-Received, Contained, and Gatara Shaini, both shot and released in 2020. Uh, check out their latest release um, that happens to have been shot a year before, titled Sandcastles, star- starring um, Akinia Loach, who we've had on the podcast, um, and Bilal Wanjao, and introducing the young leads such as um, Sheila Mukami and Lee Njogu. Um, the film is shot and directed by our very own Kigondu Martin <laughs> and is on his YouTube page um, that they finally released it uh, for free. But to contact the company for their projects and or services, you can reach them on Instagram as prevail at it. That is P-R-E-V-A-I-L-A-R-T-I-T and on Facebook as Prevail Arts Company. Prevail Beyond Entertainment, our name is our aim. Indeed, our aim is our aim. We have a guest. We have a guest. We have a guest. We have a guest. Are they, are they, are they African? What do you mean? Of course they're African. <laughs> are they brilliant? <laughs> yes, you know, we, we are those guys who spotlight African Excellence. Excellent. Yes. And yes, they are brilliant. Are they busy being born? Oh, definitely, man. That's the only reason they're here. Tell me, tell us more about them. <laughs> <laughs> so our guest today, ladies and gents, we are sure you've already seen on your uh, episode title. But ladies and gents, our guest today is a performing artist. She is a singer and an actor whose career took off at the legendary Phoenix Players. And uh, she went on to be the lead singer in the successful group Tattoo. I'm sure a lot of us remember this. Like the first time uh, talking to Kamande a couple of days ago to say, ah, nice, we have our own for our episode. You know what he said? He started singing. And like, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's like the first thing he instinctively did. So anyway, <laughs> you definitely know who it is. Um, over the years, she's gone on to establish herself in uh, the corporate world as well, with stints in advertising, communication, and even business development. And over the recent past, has been warming her way back into her ears, sight, and of course, hearts through her music. This time as a solo act, and she has also graced our TV screens in uh, movies such as Inner Beauty, how Lisa got her self-confidence back, and on TV, uh, in TV shows such as Selena, where she played Katie. So ladies and gentlemen, we give you the multi-talented Angela Mwandanda, a.k.a. Shinde. Shinde. Hey. How, do, how do you say that? Shinde or Shinde? 
I just, whoever, however you say it, I receive <laughs> no, it. <that's> right. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us thank today. Thank you for having um, me. I'm, I'm starstruck, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, and I boy. think this is a consistent theme with, with some of the guests we have um, because of how much we danced or listened to your songs growing up. And this was in high school, eh? Um, oh boy. So of course, and Mayu should tune in at this point, tune out at this point, because everybody <laughs> had a crush on you guys. So it's not just about the songs, you know. Yes. You're in high school at the peak of your adolescence. Yes. Mimi Roda Sophia. I wanted to ask that, and I will at some point. Who was Roda Sophia? That's my question. Who was Roda Sophia? That's where I was going. There were three different women. Mimi Roda Sophia. Ah. Wait, Mimi is one. As in, you can't keep seeing mm-hmm. like me and then Rhoda mm-hmm. and then Sophia. Oh, okay. In any case, it rhymed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why we chose. Ah, them. Yeah, you can't okay. you can't play me, um, Rhoda and Sophia. Exactly. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I get it now. <laughs> Jesus. Christ. Oh, Mimi, Rhoda. Oh, yeah. So it's telling the dude, you guy, you've gone through Mimi. Roda and, and Sophia. Sophia. Yeah. Yeah. It's really dope. Uh, yeah. Me, I used to sing along. <laughs> I'm, 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 yeah, there, there are a bunch of people who I'm sure who've learned that right now. There you go. That's very interesting. Um, yeah. I guess because, you know, when you're writing down lyrics for a song, you're not really thinking about the impact it will have. You're mostly thinking about, I really like, you know, music and singing. Mm-hmm. And then you get people like yourselves who are like, yeah, we used to sing it in high school. And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> it, was it was very, very impactful. That's awesome. but, but let's take a step back sure. to the Phoenix Theater. Okay. Where that's um, where the three of you met. I also didn't know this until, you know, when I was doing research about you, I only knew you as an artist. Okay. Um, as a singer, rather, not as an artist. Um, how, how was that um, experience for you and how did it shape the rest of your career? Because you've mentioned the impact that, for instance, James Falkland um, had on you. Um, if you could talk about uh, maybe a little about that experience. Um, I'm, I'm always, wherever I go, I always say that I'm eternally grateful to Phoenix players because prior to that, I was an extremely shy person. Like not shy, uh, that, a shy that's cute, a shy that, you know, it could actually be like a disorder because it's I crippling. it was crippling because I used to love to sing, but in the shower. <laughs> and um, when I was younger, I used to have relatives who would take me to Phoenix Players at the age of 11 and 12. And I would see this, you know, stage of Kina Eric Wainaina, Kina John Sibi Okumo, you know, all these people who we look up to today. And so I always knew that when I finished high school, I would go to Phoenix to sing in the background, just like everybody else. And so when that opportunity finally came, um, I auditioned in front of James Falkland and he consistently asked me, have you ever acted before? And it had never crossed my mind that acting is something I could do. Like it was not even on the list of things I could do. Um, Long story short, he chose me to be in the musical for that year, which was Cinderella, and he wanted me to be the lead. It was, it was literally mind-blowing because, one, I thought I was too shy to do anything for the public. And two, how am I going to act? Like, acting is for, you know, Denzel Washington or Viola Davis, not Angie Mwandanda. Mm. But he was so nurturing um, in just guiding me about how to enunciate your words and how to stand in front of the stage and how to translate what's on a script into bringing a character into life. And I took a lot of those things, even after Phoenix Players, into my own um, business career. 
because it gave me confidence that I honestly never thought I would get. 100%, I agree. And 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 just to maybe um piggyback on that. I had an experience in theater. That's how I met Martin. Uh, but for me it was more of you know just traveling theater and then i went back to school uh but a lot of what i do within my career is actually uh based on the things i learned um especially the confidence part absolutely um because you know the, the you know half of the corporate world is actually you being able to convince people about ideas and communicate things very well right and if you've gone through theater i feel like there's a confidence uh, i always assume another character when i'm talking to people exactly and i have so much confidence that to be very honest with you um i see people trying to learn through you know corporate workshops and whatever i'm like okay that's a different approach and it could work for you but i'm really sorry that you didn't go through Never theater like through i did absolutely. because yeah because i'm very and and and, and Uh, you can attest to that as well. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. It's 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 literally life changing. If I could change the way this generation is moving, if I told there's somebody who has that shyness or anxiety, I would really encourage them to try and get into theater. Yeah. Because the doors it will open after that is is mind blowing. This is true. So, uh for you who's listening right now and you have your toys, ama you are still at a place where you can engage in theater do it already like the performing arts are doorway to so many things mm. like clearly from Angie's story from like the bit we've only just gotten to and everything she's about to share you'll notice that uh, you could go anywhere you could be even in space but go thanks to theater back in the day so performing arts um for for the for the guys who sort of have grown in theater within the last 20 years James Falkland is like folklore. He's like those stories you hear and depending on who's telling the story you start shivering. Yeah? Mm. And uh I'd like us to go in that direction because you're probably one out of three people that might say the word nurturing around describing the force that James Falkland was. So kindly share a little bit uh, about the man that he was and the lessons that you feel apart from you feeling different a few years later but the lessons that he directly told you like do one two three four things uh if you are specific as possible the better okay. yeah just around the energy that was James Falkland well, the energy <laughs> um as a man i would say he was probably a little bit introverted which is not uncommon for people who are in the performing arts i find a lot of people who are into the arts seem to be more in their mind than they are extroverted um he loved his cigarettes he loved his tasca <laughs> and i think he was one of those people who were like steve jobs you know how he only used to wear a black t-shirt and jeans james falkland was like he had a phoenix players t-shirt i think one for every day of the week and a pair of jeans and a jacket. I think for me that demonstrated that he's not very into outward appearances. He's more into what do you want me to do for you? And so just his inability to identify somebody who cares about the arts as much as he did is truly a gift. I don't think there's anyone who I've ever met who can look at you and realize you know we're together mm-hmm. we want to build the industry together and more so even just looking at you and saying you know maybe you've had a difficult childhood even before a performance he'll give you a role and he'll try and dig deep and tell you look i'm not trying to 
I'm not trying to bring up something that you haven't healed from, but this is an opportunity for it to be cathartic in this performance. So go there. You know, just simple things that people, I find a lot of directors, especially today, are more interested, you know, block here, block here, stand in the light, remember to say your words and they move on. But he was more interested in the human and how to translate that human into another character. So... I mean, I could go on about him forever. Yeah. I think a lot of people who interacted with him came one way and left another way. It's almost like you walk in with your shoulders down and head down. And by the time you're leaving Phoenix, you know, you have a confidence that you never in a million years could have had. Yeah. He was very good at giving notes at the end of every rehearsal. Not just notes on paper. I mean, not just notes scribbled on. He prints them out. He'll write them out and say, Angie, these are your notes. John, these are your notes. Martin, these are your notes. Yeah. Go and think about this yeah. thing. Okay. He was very meticulous. Eh? Extremely yeah. meticulous. Yeah. And, you know, he would always tell us, if you're going to be good, be brilliant. And if you're going to be bad, be terrible. But never play safe. Yeah, nothing like lukewarm. Yeah, don't do lukewarm on stage. Yeah. I'd rather you perform badly and then I reel you back in. Or I'd rather you perform brilliantly and you all wow us. But in between is a disservice to you and is a disservice to me as the actor. Yeah. And there's so many little nuggets that all of us who are Phoenix babies, you know, we remember James Falkland used to say, you know, a little profanity is like you can't make love sideways. So that really just means that if I'm talking to you, I have to stand looking at you. I can't yeah. stand looking, you know. At the audience, yeah. yeah. You know, little things like that, which also, you're right, when you go into a boardroom, you're thinking about, okay, this is almost like a performance, mm -hmm. so let mm -hmm. me articulate my words, let me not be safe, let me just go all out, whatever yeah. happens, happens. Let Come me look buy people straight in the eye. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's, uh, let's <clears throat> highlight um, you uh, going into the space, the Phoenix players, with mm -hmm. your shoulders low, uh, not being the bad that you eventually become. And a few months later, so how long, or even a few years later, depending on your story, how long did it take for you to sort of overcome shyness, or at least the first stare or two? Um, so the musical was really fun. This uh, was Cinderella. Yes, this is Cinderella. And, you know, there's like a Sorry, stage. Sorry, was this your first time on stage? No. So when he told me he would cast me for Cinderella, he gave me a show prior to that mm -hmm. so that I can become accustomed to the stage. And that was the Caucasian Chalk Circle. I think it's a German play by Bert, somebody, someone's name, I forget. Um, so Cinderella was my second show, but we were like 20, 30 other people on that stage. You know, there's Cinderella's evil stepsisters, there's, you know, the main characters that you know of, but then it's a musical. So there's a chorus line of about, let's say, 20 people, 10 girls, 10 boys. And so even just rehearsing through that entire process transforms you gradually. The musical would be in December, but you'd start rehearsing in June. So you have enough time to get your dance moves. You know who your understudy is. Your wardrobe is being, you know, designed and everything. Um, by the end of that musical, of course, there was like a bond between a lot of us. We had formed friendships and Angie and Debbie just happened to be one of them. Um, but beyond that, because I found, you know, like how when you just find something and you lock in, like, this is it. I think this is what I should do. At the end of Cinderella, I continued to pound on his door. Um, teach me, like 
show me how to be a part of this theater. I'm, I'm not going back. I'm not going back to what I used to be. Another time he had already cast, he was very meticulous, like you said earlier. He had already cast from January up to June because, you know, he just wanted even his audience and the members who would pay tickets for Phoenix players to know what play is coming up. Like after the musical would come a Shakespeare. After a Shakespeare would come a thriller. After a thriller would be an Italian-sponsored show. After that would be, you know, something by Paul Simon Boeing, Boeing, or rumors. So he was very meticulous. So at the time he told me, I can't cast you in anything. You've just finished a musical. <laughs> then I'm like, well, then teach me how to be an actor. Surely it can't only be, you know, just what you taught me in the few months we were together. And so because I was a little bit persistent, he would have a class with me every Tuesday for an hour. And he would give me a, a passage from one of Shakespeare's books. And he would try and help me to understand the language. You know, don't just say words on stage. If you don't mean it, don't say it. But the idea is for you to translate what the writer has put on paper and bring it to life. So he'd give me homework. I go and read my Shakespeare's. And sometimes our relationship wasn't always so pleasant. Sometimes he would throw things at you and shout profanities. Or maybe his dentures would fall off and he throws them at you. <laughs> but it was a very passionate relationship. I'd go home crying and my folks would be like, so why are you even doing this thing? And then I'd go back and say, I'm going to show this Muzungu that I know exactly what I'm doing. But you would know in the back of his mind, that's exactly what he's trying to push out of you. Like he wasn't trying to nurture you like a child, but really push you so that your talent can thrive in whatever space um, you're in. Yeah. So, so how long was it? Wait, you're still thinking about the dentures? No. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so how, how long was it before you started seeing the the sunshine that came about uh, with the loss of your shyness into other realms of life, like, like morphing into yeah, yeah, mm. to to a butterfly now. I mean, naturally, it was with the more work I got to do within the theater, and it wasn't only on stage. I would ask him to give me, uh, you know, jobs like being a stage manager for one of the shows. And sometimes you're being a stage manager. For example, there was an actor called Kenneth Mason, a Muzungu guy who was really, really old. So James told me, you will be a stage manager for Kenneth, but you will also be his prompter because he's hard of hearing in the show we're doing you know, he might lose his words on stage. And so my job was to sit at the front during the performance and then look at him so that you can preempt when his words are, he can't remember his line. So you shout, you know, and then Joseph said, then he'll be like, and then Joseph said, blah, 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 blah. So he teach me things like that. Be a prompter, be a stage manager, um, do box office, sell tickets, interact with, um, the audience that's coming in, um, just so many other things. And I think over the years, because that was 1999, by the time he was giving me a Shakespeare play to do, I played Lady Anne in uh, Richard III, and I think that was two years later. I felt really strong about that role. I really felt like there's nothing you can tell me. Of course, you know, the ego of an actor really goes up at that point mm -hmm. and you, you don't know everything, but you really having him train me up until that point, I think was one of the highlights of my stage performance. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, you mentioned something interesting and I think it's only right that we segue into that. Sure. Um, that when you're doing Cinderella is when you met um, Angie. 
and, and Debbie. Yes. Yeah, t- tell us about that. Um, how how did that come about, especially in terms of you developing that um, camaraderie? Okay. Um, Angie and Debbie were in the musical the previous year, so they had already formed uh, a bond. Um, and so by the time we were coming in for Cinderella, we were the, the newbies. Um, so we're in the dressing room, what I remember very distinctly, and Debbie, who was the lead chick um, in Jack and the Beanstalk last year, came to find out who was going to be the lead this year. So she came a bit uh, kifua, like, <laughs> who the hell is this Angela Mwandanda? And she said that in the changing room. She didn't know I was there. <laughs> so I introduced myself um, and we just formed a, you know, a conversation, a friendly conversation. But I could tell she was trying to suss me out, like, who's this chick mm-hmm. trying to take my spot? And I really, later on is when, you know, I realized Debbie's character has always been very bold, very audacious and no filter. Um, and Angie was just there in the background, just, you know among all the other girls who were in the chorus. And somewhere in between all of that, we sort of formed a friendship. Um, I can't distinctly point out how we felt that we belonged together, but I guess our friendship bloomed from there. Yeah, yeah. And and and, and at what point do you now realize, okay, all of us are great singers, um, or do, maybe that's not what happened immediately, but what's the transition from, you know, this day on stage and this meeting and you now figuring out that, you know, you should be a group? Um, or did you first of all become dancers as I was reading somewhere? Yes, <laughs> we did become dancers. So what would happen is Ian Bogwa mm. was one of the, uh, what, what position did he hold at Phoenix? Anyway, him, James Falkland and George Mungai were like the officials of Phoenix mm-hmm. players. And a lot of the time when corporates wanted um, dancers to perform for their business launches they would come to phoenix because they know phoenix players has performing artists so if it was sarah lee that were launching shoes into the country they'd come to ian and say can you do some choreography for us for our launch um when red bull was launching into the country when kq was um, launching one of their boeings when safaricom was launching into the country yeah they'd come to phoenix and you know so he would select people who he thought could dance and so angie myself um debbie and there were three other girls who were consistently in the lineup for girls who would be the dancers i guess the sarakasi of today Mm -hmm. um and so every time a show would end or every time a launch would end we'd go to size the one that used to be at langata just to you know release stress Mm -hmm. enjoy a drink have fun um but one of the nights that we went there we didn't know that the owner of the bar was watching us and so he approached um, one of us and said, you know, you guys look like you're having such an awesome time and it doesn't look plastic because, you know, we just drink and dance on the dance floor. And because we have all these routines in our mind from the KQ launch, mm-hmm. from the Red Bull launch, we just do Naturally, us, just do them. We just yeah. do it together. And yeah. of course, the people who are within the club are like, hey, Kwani, who are these chicks? Just, you know, they're oblivious to their audience. They're just having a good time. So what he told us was just in order to keep the interest of his club and invite you know more patrons to come in why don't you do this every friday <laughs> for a fee you guys are influencers before we it's were a thing. Influ- influencing was a thing like, we yeah. didn't even know <laughs> and of course by that time we were getting into campus so mm. that money for every friday you're getting paid to just do what you do naturally which is have a good time mm. was i mean how can you say no 
Um, and it just so happened that Smell of Ice was coming into the country at that time. So we had a partnership where Smell of Ice would, you know, put their products out into size. They'd give us a crate for free. <laughs> the crate is yours, so you're not going to spend your money on booze. If you want to bring your boyfriends or your girlfriends oh, or your nice. whoever. And you're so, still getting paid. And we're still getting paid because for him, I guess it was a marketing investment. Mm-hmm. You know, every Friday people know they're going to find these chicks. There's a likelihood that they'll do a routine on the floor. You know, they'll look nice if you want them to look nice. And, mm-hmm. you know, you do it from 10 p.m. to about 1 a.m. And then you go home. So we did that for about a year and a half. Every single Friday. Initially, it was just fun times, you know, well, we were going to the club. But at some point, believe it or not, clubbing can get exhausting. You know, it got to a point where we would not even dance. We'd just sit at the table, <laughs> you know, like, okay, three it's more It's now hours. a job. Yeah, uh-huh. it's now a job. And then when we hear that, you know, the Mkubwa is parking, he's coming in, we're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So when we realized it was getting to that point where it's no longer fun, we're tired, and, you know, now we're getting deep into uni, we don't have the kind of energy mm-hmm. that we initially had. Yeah. So eventually that drizzled out. Yeah. But I think during that time, especially when we were at size for a year, is when our friendship really locked in. Because someone like Angie lived extremely far. And so she wouldn't go all the way to Banana to after a night of clubbing. She'd come and stay with me or sometimes we'd all just go spend the night at Debbie's house and so on. And so we formed what I like to call a sisterhood because it became beyond you know my friends from Phoenix. It became somebody who I got to know very, very, very well. And I guess that's where the friendship began. So yeah. yes, we did start as dancers. And, and, and was there any pushback <laughs> from your parents now that um, you just pre-campus? I suppose at this time you're maybe 19, 20? Yeah, but I don't think we were irresponsible, mm-hmm. um, if, if that's a word, because really we were just teenagers. And to be honest, we were making money. So we're not asking our folks you know, give me pocket money to go to the club. If anything, we're like, you know, don't worry, I got myself covered. And I remember even the initial years, it got to a point where we could actually take care of some of the fees in our, um, in uni because we'd get ads as well for cancel, for trust. We'd get so many other things happening for us. And while there might have been an opportunity for our parents to be like, what are you doing? The fact that we were generating some revenue, I think sort of gave them a comfort I would say, because mm-hmm. it was legit. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and all of you are very grounded, and and also j- just just um, a footnote. Cancel is now Airtel. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, as <laughs> for, I reveal for, how for old we young are. listeners, it is <laughs> it's undergone multiple uh, branches. Yeah. 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 yeah, that yeah. happened. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the sisterhood. Yeah, um, I'm I'm sure apart from the the other two the other two who now eventually formed Tattoo plus yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there were uh, three others. And beyond that, even at the Phoenix, I'm sure you bumped into Absolutely. lots of people. So question is, what about them attracted you to, to them? What did you see in them that you thought, well, now even in retrospect, you'd think, okay, I saw that in them and that is how we ended up being friends. Mm-hmm. And do you use whatever that was in your life now uh, in terms of choosing the people you surround yourself with? Oh, wow. That's a wonderful question. Um, you know, I was always attracted to anyone who wasn't like me. And so I think I mentioned that Debbie was always very vocal. In mm-hmm. fact, to a fault. 
even till today she might say something inappropriate and I'd always be like wow this girl <laughs> can't take her for any negotiating meeting yeah. but I was always attracted to the way she was unafraid and Angie has always been very driven very very driven in fact I always credit the formation of tattoo to her because once she realized that this dancing thing is awesome but what else can we do what is our next move um there was a season where I, i think i mentioned earlier where i was just very into theater and spending so much time with james falkland but that was my path for angie and debbie they were very interested in dancing they liked the whole idea of being performers and dancing and so one way or another they ended up becoming dancers for nameless when he was just coming out as you know this guy who doesn't have a name who won a competition on capital and now he needs dancers for all the shows he's getting for mega rider for mega rider mm-hmm. exactly so angie and debbie were his initial dancers so i do a show at phoenix they'd come after their performance and we just continue to form that bond um but then later on when nameless wanted dancers that were a bit more um <laughs> risque risque <laughs> you know a bit more twerky <laughs> and you know we were still trying to be wholesome girls <laughs> even though we were spending the nights drinking smen of ice and whatever we couldn't twerk the way he wanted <laughs> and so in <laughs> yeah it's kind of funny yeah um and so in rebellion angie was like well if nameless doesn't want us to dance for him anymore and he's recording at ogopa dj's even us were going to record at Ogopa. And at the time, the idea just sounded so far-fetched. Like, in my mind, I remember thinking, why, why would I want to sing with Ogopa? Like, it would be awesome, but it's not on my list of things to do. Me, I want to act now mm-hmm. that I've discovered this wonderful world of taking on another character. But Angie was hell-bent. Hell-bent on ensuring that we're going to sing at Ogopa DJs because Nameless doesn't want us to dance for him anymore. And so in one of the years where um she was in campus um Parklands studying law um we began to write uh Tesso and she had already written like 70% of it mm-hmm. and I brought in my 30% um somehow she met Lucas from Ogopa DJs and she's like listen there's a girl group me uh, Shinde and Debbie and we want to come and sing So can you organize a studio session for us? And she already had put the money in. Like how she was hey. Yeah. Yeah. Debbie at this time in. was just like, no. I huh? Why are we singing? Debbie was not even even considering the thought of a girl group was not in her mind. Me I was a little bit more open, but still I couldn't see the end goal. Angie didn't care. So eventually um Angie and I went to the studio recorded this song Debbie refused to show up because what are we doing anyway we don't need to sing guys we need to dance and make money other ways um so 9 months later um Lucas gives us this track 9 months later 9 yeah. months later yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lucas has a very um lengthy process and you really have to be patient with it because by that time he was the hit maker you know everyone knew that he's the guy who made Isa's music who made Nameless, Nameless. who was making Amani Kleptomaniacs Longombas oh, K-Rapt K-Rapt yeah. there was Googs and Vinny Banton so he already proved Big Pin Big Pin mm. and i think he was very interested in ad- in adding a girl group into his portfolio so he didn't want to mess it up at all 
This is like the 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 this is like I don't know. It's just blown my mind right now. Like as big as the Rough Riders clan was late 90s, that is how big Ogopa was yep. early 2000s. Early 2000s. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. I, I remember us beating our buckets in school. Yeah. Um, I think this was maybe <laughs> two or two when I was in class eight, um, playing Ogopa hits. Serious. Yeah, and 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 you know, us drawing that um the 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 logo, the, the logo, face. the logo everywhere. Yeah, like we yeah. stick it everywhere. Oh wow. And we knew everyone and you're like, Yeah, this is this is it. Mm-hmm. I mean, um and, and then you guys come out and you're like, Okay, uh, now there is in addition to our money, now we have something else. And yeah, yeah, girls, ah. yeah, yeah. he yeah. didn't have many. I think at the only time it was uh Wahoo. Amani. And, Wahoo, yeah. and uh, there was a girl called Waridi who we found there. I remember Waridi. Yeah, she had like a one hit and then she relocated, I think, to the US, if I'm not mistaken. That's what happened to her. Mm-hmm. I always remember her in pink. Yes, she was wearing like pink. one of those cool sports. Yeah. Whatever get ups that we used to wear back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. I remember How was this period of nine months? Because um, for you, you're just, okay. If it works, it works, right? It's not something that you're super keen on. How, especially how was Angie? Uh, because she's the one who was like very focused on this. Angie was going to Lucas almost every day, calling him all the time. Like, <laughs> mm. where's this track? You know, we've paid for it. We need to make this song. And I, I, I'll be honest and say our end goal was not to be famous. It really bothers me a lot of the time when I read uh, things on social media that the goal is for people to have followers or to have numbers or to be famous. And there's no longevity in that. The longevity was in having a good product or being good at whatever it is that you do. And then people will naturally be attracted to that. And I think that's one of the things that... um, Lucas from Agopa had mastered. He was really good at laying down beats um, and he formed a really nice relationship with the artists that was that were there. So by the time he had made the track, mind you, by this time, I have never recorded a song in my life. So I don't know what the process is. Um, and so nine months, she's pushing him, she's pushing him. Month seven, eight, you know, it has dwindled. Um, and then he calls us and says, come, the song is ready. When Lucas... Bikedo tells you to come. You go. You stop everything you're doing. One, because you've waited for eternity. But two, you know that this thing is going to be fire. So we walk into the studio and we listen to this song. Um, Ashamedly, I will say Angie and I did not like it. (laughs) We did not like it because what we recorded with versus what he had produced were like night and day. And we didn't understand that the initial track that he gave us to record was just you know for you to record your vocals it wasn't going to be the final exactly Mm -hmm. it wasn't going to be the final track but who are we and you know us guys know how to perform there's nothing lucas can tell us any out of all these you know track record of nameless and wahoo and whatever this is what you've done for us ah no Mm -hmm. this is this is not nice so we had a back and forth about it i'm sure we might have deflated his ego a little bit but we said you know what it has taken nine months for you to make this song Let's just make a video for it. I mean, we've come this far. So we have another few months of trying to put a video together. Remember back in that time, putting a video together was not easy, let alone even finding a videographer. There were not many, or if they were there, we wouldn't know where to find them. But fortunately, because by this time, Angie has done a movie or two, um, there was a Muzungu guy whose name I can't remember, but he passed away. And he was willing to give us his equipment for a next to nothing fee. 
And we ended up just putting little pieces of the video together. We shot some at his house. I called some of my neighbors. Debbie called some of her friends. Angie let us shoot some of her, the video at her house. And little by little, we had this storyline together. So when we had the video, and then we had the song, and then, you know, by that time, Ogopa, like I said, already was a name. So it was not hard to distribute or for Lucas to say, okay, I have this new girl group under my wing. They're called Tattoo. Um, this is their new song. So I remember by this time we are in our last year of campus and, you know, you're excited to hear your music on Capitol, but it wasn't, it hadn't registered in our mind the response that we were getting because the video has come on the beat. I was at the time studying interior design at Buruburu Institute of Fine Arts and my commute was a 58 Matatu. So I would find like people in my school are starting to look at me like, you're that mm. chick of Nini, you're that <laughs> chick of whatever. And slowly there's just this um, fame or recognition. It's creeping in. Now. It's creeping in. And, you know, people didn't understand mm. that by this time, you know, performing and being recognized was not a big deal for us because we'd been doing it for many years before. People would recognize us from the shows we had done at Phoenix from the launches that we had done for different corporates. So this was just another feather to the hat. But it really wasn't just another feather. It was the thing that was going to propel us to higher heights. We just didn't know it. Very soon, you know, the media, they are calling us. Newspapers are calling. People want to do interviews. Now we have gigs. We have to put a dance together, but that's not really rocket science because we've been dancing anyway. And suddenly there's just this lifestyle that's coming and before you know it, for the next two years, for like weekends on end, we'd have a gig on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sometimes even two gigs on Sunday. Um, TZ was calling us. There was a gig in Kisumu. There's one in Akuru. We're going to the Netherlands. We're coming back. There's a gig in Nairobi. It was a whirlwind. Yeah. And we were still trying to figure it out. Um in terms of even getting management, do we need a manager? Who's going to manage us? Mind you, at this time, Debbie, of course, is sold to the dream because previously she was like, <laughs> what are yeah, we doing? Yeah. But now there's money coming with every gig that we're getting. I think we were making like, I'm ashamed to say, like 30K per gig. That was big money then. It was big money because yeah. we don't walk away with like 10K mm. or something like that. But if you're doing that for like, a weekend, you have four gigs yeah. and whatever. Mm. You're making quite a bit of yeah, money. And so I got that point, like I said, we became very financially independent. And I think our parents were very proud of seeing, okay, my girls are not coming home to sleep here, but at least <laughs> they're taking care of their financial yeah, needs, which yeah. was really awesome. Um, there are multiple threads there, but before I let you go on to go, um, you, 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 the, the three of you and Lucas and the pushback mm -hmm. um, about the final track, um, and then this song um, ending up becoming, you know, this big hit that um, kind of throws you into the limelight. Um, what are some of the lessons that you picked up from that? Because my assumption was when you're talking about this story um, is that Lucas already knew how to be a hit maker. He knew Absolutely. Know, what was a hit. Then here you are, the three of you. You've <laughs> never made any music. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, this song is not, is not supposed to be like this. Mm -hmm. But he knows how to make a hit. He does. So in retrospect, uh, what, some, what are some of the lessons that um, come from, from, from that uh, particular experience? <laughs> um, wow. I don't even know which one to start on. Um, one, I guess, is to trust somebody who knows what they've been doing and has been doing it for a number of years. We didn't have trust. 
Um, secondly, one thing I learned about the media, especially in Kenya, they will love, love, love to build you up <laughs> only to bring you down. Like it's almost like a, a strategy they have in their mind. So they'll make sure that you're in the papers all the time. You, they're covering you in the most precious, beautiful light. But one, one false mistake or one picture where your eyes look a little blurry or you look intoxicated, that's it. And they just bring you down from there. Um, that, that was one of the hard lessons because, you know, we, we received so much love for so long only because I feel we were filling in a gap that we didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. There were no girl groups at the time. I think previous to that, it was uh, Zanaziki or um, Into or Shades of Black who are like way, way older than us. So we thought that we could do no wrong, but then the media come in and then they become very hungry to tell a story or to tell a gossip story that will make people want to buy their papers. Yeah. And so we became the target very easily. You see how people trend on social media for all the wrong reasons? Thankfully, our time, there was no social media. <laughs> but if there was, I can guarantee you, all of us individually would trend for one thing, whether it's a relationship gone bad or maybe you've drunk too much or maybe you treated the media in a certain way and they didn't like it, so they revenge. And I just realized in that period that the media really are not your friends. They have an agenda. Mm -hmm. Their agenda is to tell a story by any means necessary. Yeah. So it's up to you to decide how you're going to protect your integrity or your image or how much it is that you want the people to know about you as a celebrated person, whether it's an actor, whether it's an artist, whatever it is. Yeah. Just know that whenever you're going to interact with anyone, especially in mainstream media, be very intentional about you what you want them to know otherwise you know at the end of the day this guy needs to reel in the numbers yeah. and he doesn't yeah. care and that's what i was going to say there's a huge misalignment of incentives mm -hmm. in, in that you know mainstream media is in, the incentive is to sell uh, stories yeah for sure yeah. and so for they'll sure. do whatever it takes for them to absolutely. do that absolutely yeah. and we <laughs> were mean, so young and we didn't understand that you know us guys just thought ah so and so is the editor they want to take pictures with us but i don't take pictures with him i don't take pictures with him kumbi but you saying you don't want to take pictures with him he's yeah, like sorry. Hmm, mm. yeah why mm. why this chick is feeling hot does she know the way i can bring her down mm. and they really had the power of the pen yeah so a lot of the time we would have to have the editor's numbers on speed dial because maybe you'd be out at carnival and if you're dating someone and you get into a fight with your significant other and you can feel click, click, click happening oh. around you, you wake up the next day and you think, hmm, I really need to butter up this guy because next Friday when Pulse comes out and we knew people would run to the Pulse every Friday, <laughs> how do I mitigate what this could possibly become? So we'd have all the numbers, writers, editors, whoever on speed dial, like, please just, you know, yeah. cut me some slack. Yeah. Sometimes it worked, sometimes not really. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so are you guys having these conversations, like when the sisterhood sits down, are these things you're talking about, like, guys, uh, this fame thing is becoming overwhelming? We, I, I honestly, because it was so long ago, I don't ever remember us having a conversation. You have to understand that the three of us were very different personalities, yeah? Okay. Extremely different. And there was no way 
as Debbie's friends were going to tame her. If she doesn't really like you and she's going to shout profanities at you, then she's going to do it. Yeah. And that's how she feels. We were never going to silence her as her friends. If Angie feels like we're not going to mingle with such and such mm. an editor, that's how she felt. And we were never like, you know, don't do that. And mm. even for myself, if I decided, you know, I'm, I'm just too shy, I don't need to be in the limelight, I don't want to go to the club today. All of us had to sort of make do with who we were as individuals. And that's really just how we did it. We never really had like a boardroom meeting of this is how we need to behave in front of the yeah. media. Not really. Yeah. It was just come and buy and buy. Okay. Because this is technically what you'd feel a manager would do. You know, always come back and bring the brand home and be like, guys, this is how we're approaching this. Mm -hmm. So did you, did you guys ever consider that? Like bringing someone in place to, I don't know, naturally, even without a discussion, sort of be the... Not to say you're unreasonable, but yeah. the voice of reason and sort of direction. Absolutely. I mean, we did realize that it was becoming overwhelming and we didn't have the experience. This is not like a Phoenix play where, you know, you can sort of contain it. It was now becoming a worldwide thing or rather not worldwide, but nationwide thing yeah. where, you know, you have relatives in shags calling and seeing your picture and, and now they want to send you Bible verses because you, <laughs> you look a hot mess. Hey, you need Jesus. Yeah. You know. <laughs> So we did try to get management. Um, David Murethi was our manager, but for I think less than a day or two because a lot of the people who we did approach or who wanted to manage us, they would interact with us for a very brief time and then they would be overwhelmed because you're handling three people. All of them are very different personalities. And mind you, management is not something that you can't just say, I'll manage you. Yeah, there's some skill set you have to have, whether it's from an admin point of view, whether it's um, understanding the personalities you're dealing with. You know, I can't just walk up to a place and say, I'm going to be your manager. You could, but you as a manager, you have to know that there's a skill set you must have to handle this. And so all the people we were approaching, even Fakiliwali was our manager for a brief point, or Gopa tried to manage us. But to be honest, we never did sign a contract with them because we always felt like the deal would work more in their favor in, than in ours. So our manager, just for the sake of having someone to stand in, became Shafi. Shafi was our manager. At the time, he was dating Debbie, and in events where we needed to negotiate a contract or we were going to another country to perform, then he would come in front as our manager. But there was nothing he was managing for us. He was just really the guy who would drop us there, mm -hmm. You need somebody so that you guys look serious. Yes, I'll stand in for you. But he wasn't managing us per se. It was a title mostly. It was a title yeah. mostly. Yeah. And we never, to be honest, we never did get a manager who could handle us. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I don't want to delve That's a bit dope. more in, in, um, in, into your time at Ogopa, mm -hmm. um, especially in those early days, but not around um, the journey per se, but more around the lessons from interacting with people um, who had who are bigger than life, larger than life, so to say, Isa, mm -hmm. nameless at this time. Um, we forget guys like Mr. Lenny, mm -hmm. Kunguru, all those guys. It was a big story. Hey, I Kunguru. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kunguru. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then here you are, very young. You're the first, uh, you know, girl band group. Um, what are some of the lessons you picked up from touring with them, doing shows with them, and 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 interacting with them on a continuous basis around how they handle things such as you know what you just talked about, talked about, or even just life itself? Um, did we ever have a tour as a Gopa artist? A lot of the time, when people wanted a lineup of artists, we would always find ourselves in a mix like Prezo is in the lineup, 
necessary noises in the lineup and then tattoos in the lineup. They would always try and mix and match it so that not everyone was from the Ogopa stable. Okay. Um, so I can't say I really recall a time when we were all together, like just chilling and having fun. Um, and of course, we do meet, we interact with each other and be like, ah, has Luki made your track? Ah, not yet. Have you spoken to him? No, he's not picking up my calls. Even me, he's not picking up my calls, you know. So it's almost like you're in school with somebody and your buddies, but you're not really tight. It's just that you almost all have a certain goal, mm. which is to make more tracks. Um, so I that would be a difficult question to answer only because I never really recall a time when we were all together. However, when we were recording Jualanyesha, I remember Isa and Nameless came to spy Mm-hmm. on on how Luki was making this track. And we had a very brief interaction. And then, of course, unfortunately, we never interacted with Isa again. But with Nameless, of course, we already had um, a relationship because, you know, Angie ah, and Debbie were the dancers dance. before. Yeah, yeah. So he's seen, ah, okay, these chicks used to dance for me and now here, you know. Yeah. And then that's how we got to meet Wahoo and we formed a good friendship. Actually, I think out of all the people we interacted with, Wahoo is the one who we became closest to, Wahoo and uh, Nameless. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and aside outside of Ogopa, are there other art you mentioned, you know, being in shows with necessary noise? Yes. At this point, are there some other artists who uh, maybe sat you down or just gave you some pieces of advice that went a long way in you handling the, your newly found fame? No. no, I think every one of us were just trying to figure it out. And if I recall col- correctly, the time when Tattoo came out is the year that Prezo also came out. Mm. And I remember that year we were both nominated for Chagulatinese. Uh-huh. Um, um, Kisima Awards as Best, uh, best New, new Art, <laughs> Best New Act. And in that category was Tattoo, Prezo, and um, Osman. So we were all, you know, we were so arrogant in our thinking because we knew, ah, this one, it has to be either us or Prezo. Yeah. Us or Prezo. Because so who is Osman anyway? Yeah. Yeah. And so we really dressed up for the event. It's our first <laughs> award ceremony. You know, Prezo is Prezo. He's coming in all his bling and flamboyant. Yeah. And yeah. we know ah, this award, it's between the two of us. It's a, it's a two, it's a two horse race yeah to our surprise osman won that award and it really humbled 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 (laughs) it really humbled us especially with prison i think from there our friendship was formed (laughs) Uh, i think if you are looking for lessons at that time i think it was to always remain humble because what you see in the media is not necessarily how people will vote for you And I think when we lost that um, to Osman is when the media started to take a bash at us. Because I remember that Friday, they had a whole page about how the Kissimmee Awards took place. Here at Kinatatu, they came dressed as, why did they even come dressed as this? They were never <laughs> going to win. And so it just went downhill then from they, this there. Way, sorry, um, where they said the biggest winners then they list them out and explain why they're yes. the biggest losers. losers. Yeah, ah. and I remember our wardrobe was one of them. We thought we looked oh, nice. Oh, God. <laughs> they really went hard on us, uh, us guys and Prezo. And so it it really, one way Prezo and us guys really became really tight. In fact, when there were gigs in Tanzania, somehow Tejosai really liked the combination of having Necessary Noise, a duo, having Prezo as, you know, a solo a artist act, yeah. and then having Tattoo as a, th- uh, a three you know, a group. Mm. So 
I would say that our bond really, really became super tight. Mm. There were even gigs where I think we went to Zanzibar and the promoter of that time, he didn't pull through on his end of the deal. And so we were stranded in Zanzibar for a few days. But the good news was Prezo was a baller. <laughs> he took care of all of us financially. Yeah. And so it continued to form our bond yeah. in that way. So I think in, in back to your question, <laughs> I think being humble was one of the things. That was a very humbling yeah, experience because yeah. we went to Kifua mm-hmm. and it brought us back to our knees. And so we had to realize that, okay, maybe just having one or two songs is not what we need to do. We need to record more music and I think try and be favorable in the eyes of the of the uh, the journalists because yeah. they have the power to bring you down. Yeah. yeah. Um, in in your in your times in TZ, because clearly you guys popped in in, the, in there a couple of times. Sure. Was this around the same time? Now you bump into Ulejawa Commercial Ay. Ay, yes. No, actually, we met Ay here because okay. he was already recording with Prezo at our homeboys, and Angie, being the driven one, was like, "Oh, Ay is really banging in uh, TZ. We need to do a song with him." And we're like, "Listen, if you want to talk to him about doing a song, you you do your thing." Us guys are ready. And Angie has no problem with being a little bit assertive and telling AY we need to do a song. So we recorded two songs. One was his featuring us and then vice versa, both of which did really, really well in Tanzania. Maybe in Kenya, not so much because, you know, by then I think the press started to lose interest in us. They were more interested in bashing us and finding out about our relationships. But in TZ, they received us with so much love. They kept calling us all the time. And I, I guess also uh, collaborating with AY had a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah, because it was definitely popping around that time. Yeah, yeah, and so and was with he. With Mwana Efe. Mwana Efe mm, yeah. and uh, Professor J. And there was also like a movement going on in Tanzania. And it also helped that someone like Prezo was very popular in Tanzania. I believe some of his family comes from there. So for him, uh, that was sense. home. yeah. You know, so he knew how to navigate through things. And even if there was a gig, he would always try and make sure that we were also part of the lineup for that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good times. Good times. Um, well, the thing about today's episode or every other is not to just focus on one particular moment, mm-hmm. but uh, the title Busy Being Born is sort of highlighting and celebrating the fact that through all this different segments or steps in your life you're constantly becoming someone else yeah absolutely so we've started from the beginnings of it quote unquote but i'm sure there was a story behind you get into the phoenix but we've gone into the phoenix a shy version of you mm-hmm. a couple of years you've morphed into someone different in a way uh, less shy i would imagine then we've gone into the ogopa the days yeah days then we now see you a few years later, yeah? Teso and every other jam has popped. Then you sort of disappear as mm-hmm. a group mm-hmm. and we don't hear that much of you guys. Then a few years later, we now start seeing you as, I think the next time I heard of you was with uh, Red Sun. Yeah, oh, so yeah. what is going on right here? Are you still performing? Are you still doing your thing as a as an artist? Okay, Um so naturally, there is a transition, although it's not one that we identified until much later. When we were at Phoenix and when we were started off at Ogopa and finishing campus, we were young girls. We were in our early 20s. Um, but then when things start to morph into you know, relationships and motherhood, you start to see the boat you know, turn in a different direction. 
So in 2005, Debbie becomes expectant. And of course, for the first couple of months, we can still perform, but it's not what it used to be a couple of years ago. You know, she might not feel up to going on stage. Um, you know, being expectant is at the discretion of the mother. So when she feels ready to tell the press, then she will. But remember, I've already explained the way the press were already so hard on us. We, we And we're already dealing with the emotions of becoming a mother. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time, maybe we wouldn't get the gigs that we used to, or we wouldn't have the stamina to go chasing what we, are, we had to. And so 2005, things started to dwindle. And it wasn't for um, Angie and I to go and... Um, forced Debbie to do something that she didn't want to do. And people recognized us as three. We did try to do a gig um, as Angie and myself and have Shafi's sister stand in for Debbie. But already you could tell that people were like, where, where is Debbie? This is not the one we know. So that was 2005. 2006, Angie becomes expectant. So Debbie has given birth to her daughter. Angie now is going through what Debbie was going on earlier. And, you know, motherhood is a beautiful thing. But when you're going through it, when you're in your mid-20s and you're still trying to figure out who you are, what do you want to do? Do you want to join corporate Kenya and start, you know, earning a livelihood? Do you want to keep chasing, being an entertainer? So a lot of these things were happening. Internally, I wouldn't say we had fights, but we did have um, conflict because Debbie was like, my priority right now is, of course, my child. And with Angie, even if she was a very aggressive and pushy, she would f- see herself slow down because, you know, that's just how it goes. And so towards the end of 2006, by the time everyone had realized that two out of the three are becoming mothers and it seems to be a trend, of course, um, Shinde is next in line. Mm. So by that time... Um, I mean, not to get into too many of the details of it, but I was going through a bit of a relationship and uh, an identity crisis because up until that point, I really didn't know myself outside of tattoo. And I remember when I first walked into Phoenix, my intention was to sing, not to act or dance or become a girl group. I just want to sing. So I really had to sit down and reflect and think about what do I want? You know, Angie and Debbie are slowing down. I don't, I don't intend to become a mother anytime soon. And, and the relationship I'm in is not proving to, to go in a direction that is long term. And so I had a difficult conversation with Angie because it's something I had been thinking about for a long time. Being in a girl group, you know, is, is difficult. Being in any group actually is difficult. I always credit Saudi Soul for coming as far as they have. Because, you know, people say marriage is hard and that's just two people. But if you're more than two people and you always have to position yourself, you know, have that front of we're all united, we're all on the same page, it's not easy. And Angie and Debbie always had very different personalities to mine, which sometimes, you know, of course, we butted heads. So I had a conversation with Angie and I just told her, I think it's time for me to pursue my solo career. I think it's time for me to just see what I can do on my own without, you know, the shadow of tattoo being there. And Angie knew that if I was not there, already Debbie was, um, what's the word? I'm I'm trying to be diplomatic. (laughs) She was always the one who 
could live without it mm-hmm. you know i mean it's it's great for the easy things it's great for the fun things but there was some hard work you know like writing the music like chasing lucas like finding wardrobe like getting gigs and angie really was the driving force and she knew that if angie myself if shinde is there and she's the main singer then we always have content i can always write and she can always sing and we can always show up on stage but if i'm not there then really this is the end of tattoo oh tattoo as we know it yeah as we know it yeah so I don't think she took me seriously. I think she just thought you just go through the emotions. I, I I know me and Debbie being mothers and you know your relationship isn't working like you already have so much going on with you. Just think about it, you know. And it bothered me like chick me I'm tired. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. I want to discover myself. I want to go out and act and sing and you know thank you tattoo for everything you've done but it's time for me to find my wings and fly. So we had a bit of a push and pull and eventually she decided that the way we're going to announce it to everyone else and not like have a press conference but if at any one point someone was interested we would say that each of us is working on our individual career but we will support in the background which led to me releasing my first single which was come back to me with you lopa that was actually my song But if you look at the video Angie and Debbie are in the background they're not really you know doing much I actually never f- like see close ups of them mm-hmm. that was that intentional was intention. okay. yeah, because yeah. I made it clear that this was about me trying to discover myself outside tattoo but we never wanted to position it in a place where tattoo has broken up because the media were already so hard on us they really killed our self esteem to some extent Um we were tired of being in the papers for negative press and like I said you know that's when your parents start wondering what 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 is it that you're doing why are you in the papers all the time you know is it really that important for you like I think maybe it's time to start focusing on other things mm-hmm. so there was a lot going on and I guess that's when the transition started to take place yeah. after come back to me um Red Sun and I had always said we'd do a song together. By the way, all artists whenever you meet, we are all doing songs together. Yeah. All of us. Don't <laughs> know. Yeah, yeah, studio. Yeah, 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 yeah. We plan. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, uh, yeah, we'll do it. But <laughs> I guess with Red Sun it was a little bit more intentional and that's when um we did our song, song together. Yeah. So I was trying to sort of break out from the tattoo shadow by doing collaborations. Mm. Um Red Sun was one of them. I did one with Giuliani and I just continued to try and do music on my own because yeah. i was really trying to find my own way um musically yeah. yeah yeah so question the media uh and the way it reacted to you guys or at least a bad energy it sort of had uh around what that sort of highlight with your lives did this in any way throw you back to the 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 shy shinde it did it did because You know this is what I always think each of us walk around with our insecurities you never need to point out to me what my insecurity is i wake up and i and it's there with me every yeah. day yep. but the media and even feedback from fans because you know fans become bold just like how trolls are on twitter today they become really bold and yeah. just hating on you yeah. they are in bold it's just that now social media has given everyone a platform yes. and access to them but exactly you know, still the same people yeah. yeah and so while there was a period where we were just on this high where we're receiving love 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 then you really start to think about the comments somebody put like these tattoo chicks can't even sing you know shinde is you know fatter than the other two 
when is she going to get her baby? Mm-hmm. I saw her with, you know, things mm-hmm. that affect women mm-hmm. generally. And maybe they affect guys as well. So naturally you start to think, well, why why did I even get into this thing anyway? Yeah. What what was I going to do? Say I did interior design. Yeah, let me let me focus on that. Yeah. You know, I don't need to be in the media you know if this is how much they yeah. hate is us is it even worth it is it yeah. even worth it because okay. you know it doesn't seem to be giving us the kind of high and the kind of income that we were had initially re- initially received yeah. in yeah. the beginning yeah. years yeah. so are there are there things that you're clinging on to uh, to sort of uh, float above all this nonsense uh, negative energy are there are there people that you're having beside you are you even sharing this with anyone or how did you survive this energy um so yeah i what i do remember is i started to find solace in a lot of gospel music <laughs> i started to try and reconnect yeah, in my relationship with god because you know like all of us in high school you get saved <laughs> and to be honest they don't really tell you what salvation what is salvation it's mm. just you say the sinner's prayer and you move yeah yeah i, I got saved every sunday because <laughs> you were feeling the conviction I, I, I right i got saved closer to the final exam because <laughs> <laughs> you need jesus <laughs> so i was one of those i mean i've always I, I grew up in a family where you know not religious but my grandfather was a reverend at all saints cathedral and so my parents have always been you know, trying to teach us Christian principles and what have you. Um, so I just found a, a, like a gaping hole. I really wanted to find peace. Um, I guess I was emotional about a couple of things that I felt were not working out the way I wanted them to. And so I was driven to be more curious about God. Mm-hmm. Um, not religion, just to seek him for myself, not somebody coming to tell me this is how he is. He does not like it when you listen to uh, Tevin Campbell or SWV or D'Angelo or Indiari. Mm. Yeah. So I started to unlearn a lot of things about what I learned about God and I started to chase him for myself. Yeah. So are there are there particular, um, like for instance, if it's a music, are there particular singers you're listening to? Do you remember a certain song that pulled you through that moment? Are there books that you're reading around this moment? Um, are, there, are there people you're talking to who might not necessarily be reverends, but more um, kindred spirits within this journey? Yes, there are people. So around that time, I guess this is a couple of years, the children are born. Um, there was a time when we realized there are a lot of people who are seeking God but are still in the entertainment industry, not gospel, in the entertainment industry. And so I remember Big Ted and Big Kev had formed some kind of group of um, entertainers and the title of the group was Cinema, Christians in Media and Entertainment. And he was trying to get people who are of similar you know, you could be a musician, a radio presenter, an events planner, but you have an interest in seeking God for yourself. And so it was within that time when I really started to reconnect because it felt like all of us were looking for the same thing. We were not finding satisfaction. Maybe the industry that was once kind to us wasn't so kind. And now we really have to think about career move. Like, what do you want to do for the long haul? And it was, I think, in that period where 
I started to get into understanding who God was. Um, if, as far as books that I was reading, you know, I really wanted to get married at one time. So you're reading all the books, like um, all the books that girls read, you know, to find out how to get a man, how to behave with a man, this, that, 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 you know, all these fallacies that in the end I have discovered, it's really just up to you. <laughs> Everyone is going to print on paper what their experience has been. It's up to you to decide how much of it you want to implement in your own life. So I would say that was the period where I reconnected with God for myself without having to um, be influenced by by anyone else. Um, I would listen to C.C. Winans and Kirk Franklin. Obviously, my, my array of music, gospel music, has grown since then because when you meet people who have been deep in Christianhood, they'll tell you, ah, you don't know Fred Hammond? Mm-hmm. Ah, you don't know Tasha Cobbs? Oh, you don't know who? I'm like, no, I know Kirk Franklin, Revolution. And, Isn't and, that good and enough? Mary, Mary. And Mary Mary. Yeah. They would laugh at you like, oh, wow, chick. Another revolution. Yeah. Oh. That was the song, like, yeah, 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 this is my kind of guy. But there was a lot more music that I have delved into. Now I have, you know, podcasts that I listen to. So I try and stay grounded. Mm. Um, in my relationship with God that I, I can honestly say today that has really transitioned from what it was before. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. And, and, and before, before we transition into that, um, there was a, the next pivot in your life, mm-hmm. as I like to call it, which was now you moving from, you know, as a solo artist mm-hmm. and finding yourself in Jumia. Was yes. that the first stop in the corporate world? No, the yeah. first stop for me was agency. Um, I was working at an ad agency called The Ad, the advertising company. Mm-hmm. And that was during the tattoo time when we were starting to dwindle and Debbie was expecting. My first job was an intern there. And then I moved to Homeboys. They were starting um, an experiential marketing arm. So the that particular department was called Homework Advertising. I was there for two years. And then after that, I went and worked at the grass company or what was then called Instant Grass. Mm -hmm. And they used to do qualitative research. research. Yes, I was there for about two and a half years. Then I went to Jumia and I was there for two and a half years. I think I had like a two and a half year threshold (laughs) because by then I'm like, there's nothing left for me to learn. There's a glass ceiling. Let me move on to the next thing. Um, After Jumia, I ended up at My Movies Africa, which was my final formal employment. And I was there the longest, which is four and a half years um, until early last year when the pandemic sort of changed the way we do everything we do today. Yeah. So I think for the last, is that two or six? That's about 10 years of my life, which I had sort of tried to juggle corporate versus being an artist and trying to find a way to get back into it. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess what has happened is the pandemic has really been a blessing because when my job at my movies Africa fell through, I had to go back to the drawing board. Fortunately for me, um, I've always tried to have a good relationship with everyone I've interacted with uh, you know, over the past couple of years. And so I send out, you know, a note to all my friends saying, guys, I'm back. If there's anything I can do, please let me know. You know, my portfolio is like this. I have marketing, I have acting, I have singing, I have business development. So out of all these things I have, surely something might come up. And about a day later after my job ended, the friend, one of the friends I had reached out to, he told me, um, there's an audition now for Selena. Come. I said, When? He said, now, come now, <laughs> come now for Selena. 
And what do I need to wear? What do I need to... He said, just figure it out. You come. And to cut a long story short, I have been part of the Selena cast um, for a better part of the year. Yeah. 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 So I, I really... I really credit God to the way he opens doors for me because some things I can never take credit for. It had nothing to do with me. I know how hard it is to try and get an income or to try and find something stable, especially in the entertainment world. And so how I've always been able to stay above the water is something that I think I need to give God the credit for. Wow. Oh, that's beautiful, Maze. <laughs> um, clearly, constantly being born being born you know um so you and i bumped into each other not so long ago yeah yes yeah uh, on that particular set yeah mm-hmm. i i remember one of the first things you asked me was hey mato it's been a while how, how you went silent on me or something like that mm-hmm. and i thought no i i i'm i'm not sure what an experience what how do i phrase that i i am not sure what kind of experience you had when we worked together mm-hmm. you know uh because in your story so far uh every time every time i sort of bump into an interview of yours i always wonder this is around 2017 mm-hmm. where where were you in terms of mind state uh openness to performance and i'm slightly curious this might be slightly what's the word um kujipenda selfishness okay yeah but what's going on when when you're doing peace and love are you slightly open this is your play in 2017 yeah yeah are you slightly open to performing ama is just okay might as well do this first love let me you know see if i can dip my The only reason and the only thing that would keep me from not performing is if I had a day job. Because at the end of the day, you know how inconsistent being an artist is. One day you can be bawling and you're taking care of your rent, the next minute you really just have no idea where the next money is coming from. So I've always tried to use wisdom and discernment to know when I should concentrate on taking care of my bills or when I should concentrate on doing the thing I love. And so in 2017 when we were doing um peace and love um there was a period where i wasn't working at all actually for six months and then by some miracle i happened to get into my movies africa just when you and i had met yeah now the way i had negotiated my contract didn't work in my favor and i would say it's because because i was so afraid of not being able to pay my bills i ended up taking a job that was really time heavy so i'd be working like from 8:30 in the morning to 7:30 in the evening mm. and i did that because you know that was on the table there was no room well there was probably room for me to negotiate but i was too afraid of not having a stable income so i took it but the sacrifice i had to make during those four years was i couldn't be on stage as much as i wanted to and i remember yours was the last one i was able to do during that period because yeah. i really had to negotiate with my boss and say um listen i've already committed to doing this show i'll have to compensate the hours um some other way but you know let me at least finish this show yeah but performing will always be my first love. Oh, well, th- thanks for saying that. Yeah. And thanks for that clarity around that because I I honestly 
I honestly wondered what happened Nico. Oh wow, did I do something? Not I at mean, all. Yeah. Not at yeah, all. So. And and do, so do, don't put a caveat on selfishness. I think it's very natural. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. As long as you're aware of it. Mm-hmm. There, you there you go. Awareness. Yeah. That's true. Awareness of the selfishness. Okay. Um in in 10 years of of you in the corporate space, apart from the show that you did with Kigondo, um are there times when um you stepped on stage or went on set to do a movie and 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 um is that something that you still clung on to before we come now into 2020 when um you know you made the full transition again um sure mm. um i did happen to so during the period where i lost my job and then i just got my movies africa i had um an interaction with philip bresson who runs insignia productions and i auditioned for him because he was looking for someone to act in some of his movies i hadn't really done a movie before i had done one earlier on like phoenix days but that movie never saw the light of day i can't really remember why so philip was looking for a new face to be on film and um that's how i got into inner beauty and i also did another one called dear mother and I guess that was some income that sustained me because he did pay me as an actor for for that movie. Um but whenever I could find an opportunity to juggle the two both corporate and and uh, acting I tried to but it's not easy. Uh, you know, you know arts are is a jealous craft. Yeah. It will always be like listen, do you want to excel in performing or do you want to go and make money? You can do them both but not for long. Yeah. So I think that's what happened during that time. Okay. So what would you tell what would you tell someone slightly younger who wants to get into the arts and they're at a place where probably everyone is advising them to go the corporate way because it makes sense like mm. literally makes more money or at least a sustainable income and yet they really want to pursue this passion thing with the arts from your experience and standpoint right now what would you tell them? Well, I I mean I I never want to tell someone that their passion is not going to give them the kind of revenue they're looking for. I never want to be that person because in the back of my mind I'm not sure who even told me that. Yeah, I'm sure. And I always look up to Saudi Soul because they they went through it. You know, it made money, it didn't make money. It started off when it was just a passion, but now look at where they are. They're actually able to take care of our staff and continue to even mold soul generation yeah. into what they are today. So I would ask and I would tell anyone who is younger to imagine just persevere. And there's definitely going to be days where you're not going to make it. You maybe it requires you to move back home or maybe you find a way to move in with a roommate or a friend or maybe you just cut down on what your costs are. But if you're so diligent in the craft you give you have because everyone has something that they've been given in this earth to do that will generate them money. I don't want to get religious or, you know, very please do. And you could if you <laughs> want. Yeah. But I I believe um often that when God says I have given you everything you need for this life, people usually think that it's the roof over your head, you know, all this tangible stuff. But it's only now that I'm consistently reminding myself even when I don't have enough, I say, okay, I have a network. I know Martin. I can call Big Ted. I have a network. You know, I have a skill set. I've learned how to act. Maybe now I can learn and get into directing, which is what I'm going to do. Um so you do have it. I mean, you're not going to be given life 
to stay here on this earth and not have something to keep you going. Not that it will always be easy and probably you might struggle, but I think to stay encouraged and hopeful that you have everything you need. It just doesn't look the way we've been told it looks, yeah, you know? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. um, wait a minute. You want to go into directing? I do want to get That's into directing. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. in the process of... So I've written a story. I've written it um, for the last eight years. And it's only recently during this pandemic, which again, I say it has been a blessing for me, that I've been able to collaborate with two other people. And we've sort of fleshed out this story that I want to be able to shoot a pilot for. And while I say I want to direct, I think what I really want to do right now is to churn out content and to give the actors that I've seen who are so talented in this country an opportunity to shine. I'm so tired of people saying that it's only XYZ who are always on screen. And I tell people these actors are on stage because they're creating their own content. The actors in this country are in the hundreds of thousands, but they all don't have the, the revenue one to go out and find a marketing budget or partner with somebody who can finance the kind of work that we can do. So my intention is to make sure that all the actors that I've ever interacted with or even the ones who are coming up, they have content that they can be a part of. So I won't always be on the screen, but I know that maybe directing or impacting um, film through marketing and collaborations is the direction I want to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Wow, that's yeah. our own Ava or opera. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, speak yeah. it into my so life, please. It's going to happen. <laughs> We're sure it's going to happen. Amen. Um, there are lessons to be learned throughout your journey. One of the things I like to tell everyone is, you know, um, specialization is for insects. So you've clearly <laughs> had a career where you've gone from, you know, stage, singing, dancing into the corporate world. And that is very diverse as well. Right. You've gone from advertising into marketing research, um, into a movie business, into, a, um, I don't know, an e-commerce business, right? Uh, but looking back at um, when Tattoo began to taper off, and hindsight is not useful sight, um, but is there anything you do different? Your questions are deep, huh? <laughs> I, uh, would you persevere just like you would advise a, a young person to do? I would. I would. And I'm so grateful for for being connected to people who are not like me. No, none of us are can operate independently. And that's one of the things I think I learned very strongly. Even when Tattoo began to disintegrate, I really began to miss Angie's drive. You know, I really began to miss having Debbie by my side when I was going for a corporate meeting because having her there would mean that we can bargain better. So I really value, and I would value it even more then, but now hindsight is a gift. Because now I can look back and say, moving forward, I'll appreciate everyone I'm able to collaborate with because they all bring something to the table that's beneficial for where I'm going. Wonderful. Fantastic. Yeah. What about friendships? Uh, are there things from uh, those friendships? I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're still there because yeah. in your different interviews, you share about it. But uh, besides tattoo, the people you've again chosen to surround yourself with, are there things from the past that you're like, now these are the things that I'm conscious about when I'm choosing these people to be 
my people as we are going forward? Yeah, um, well, Angie and Debbie will always be my sisters. You know, we don't see each other often, obviously, because Debbie has relocated to the US and Angie has a teenager now. <laughs> so we we don't um, see each other as often. But, you know, we shared a significant number of our years together, the transitional um, the transition of our years together and that will always count for something and I think my circle is pretty small I don't like to have too many people only because I'm still very introverted and I just I'm, I'm very energy driven so I usually have the ability to gauge whether this is someone who's going to drain my energy in which case I will preserve it by not interacting with you too much or this is someone who I feel I can connect with and we can delve into introverted, depth-driven <laughs> conversations. Together, yeah. 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 Oh, man. Um, Aya, let's uh, play with a, a thing or two before we close up. Okay. Are you still blogging? No, I am not. <laughs> Why is that? Why do you <laughs> stop doing that? <laughs> yeah. I was giving too much of my personal life and I realized I want to keep some things to myself. So... Yeah, I can't, I can't say I've really practiced my pen on paper for a while. For a minute. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, you put out music in 2019. 2019. Yes, I did. Yeah. There's a jam with you, um, Nameless yes. and um, Big Pin. Pressure. 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 And yeah. 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 Where did that come from? It came from literally what the song talks about. You know, you get a to an age where friend. people want you to be married yeah. and not even your parents. Mm -hmm. My friends like Angie and Debbie, who are like, listen, <laughs> we have to form tattoo the third, the second generation. Can you give us some offspring? Mm -hmm. And they bring a couple of people for you to meet. And, wow. you know, it just <laughs> people who want to hook you up with other people because they feel like you're missing out on something. But I really feel like being single is a gift that people don't talk about enough. It has really given me the ability to love my own company, create the things I want to create and in future, when I do meet my significant other, I think I'll be more prepared to have a partner in my life than if I had done it earlier and where I'm imposing on him um, to give me happiness because that is what you're supposed to do. I found ways to make myself happy. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So to all the friends who are listening, friends of mine who are listening to this, <laughs> yeah, if you keep on calling or texting or hooking me up, listen to that beat and replay it again and again and again. Yeah, um, yeah. You, 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 you are of the same school of thought. Or rather, well, same similar stage in life. <laughs> sort of. yeah. Are all you experiencing pressure to get married, Martin? Hi, hi, uh, uh, for the last couple of years, yeah. And, uh, yes, let's see how long they'll keep pushing that. And, and it's not Kamande. That's not me. People. I was about to ask Kamande, who are you lining up for? <laughs> no, um, no, I, I, I would never do that. You would never. Would never You're a that. good friend. There, he <laughs> is a good friend. He is a good friend. Okay. Um, is there something, uh, whether deep or pretty simple, that you uh, changed your mind about in the recent past? It could be as simple as changing a bulb to as deep as rethinking religion. You know, I'm really trying to become an early morning person. I'm a night owl. Um, trying to become a morning luck. Yes, mm. because... Do you think that's something you can change? I don't know. You know, COVID messed up my sleeping schedule. So I, I find myself awake until 2 a.m. And that's when my mind is really like, oh, and then there's this idea. Oh, and maybe I should cast this. And maybe I need to change the story. And I start texting people like, oh, wait, no, that one's married. I can't text now. Okay. <laughs> at 1 p.m. <laughs> and then I wake up at 8 and I'm such a grouch. 
you know, I just, I can't human. I don't want to human until I've had my first cup of coffee. Yeah. So I'm trying to become an early morning person. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, yeah. Um, and the science behind this is a book I love to read and to recommend to people while we sleep. Maybe, you know, that maybe whatever you're experiencing right now is actually you aligning yourself to your cycle, to your, to your um, circadian rhythm. A circadian who? Circadian rhythm. <laughs> circadian rhythm is, you know, all, you know naturally. Natural. There's a test that you could do and they, you know, it, it tells you within a certain level of accuracy if you're a night or a morning lark or you're in between. Okay. Then there's a certain distribution to that. So maybe all your life you've been doing things um, outside of who you really are. Who you really are biologically. I, I found the same thing with myself. Oh, really? Yeah. And of course the system, the nine to five system is very... It's absolute. I find it absolutely it's terrible. It's unfair. It's unfair. Exactly. That's what I was looking for. Unfair to night owls. Okay. Yeah. So, so maybe, I maybe I, I don't know. Maybe you should not. You need form. to give me that link or whatever it yes, is, so that um, I can find comfort in I'll, 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 being I'll awake be, at two I'll in the be morning. Happy to give you the book. Please do. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's up. And we'll actually, even for you, the listener, will uh, definitely have the notes on that and the link to the, at least one of those. Uh, and the weirdest thing about the circadian cycle is that uh, you could, like you said, you could uh, be here, but your system works better in Australia. Or I don't know, in the yep. Antarctica. Yeah. Yeah. If my system worked in Bali, that would be <laughs> yeah, awesome. Okay, quite okay. Yeah. 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 Um, as we bring this to a close, if sure. if you're standing on a stage somewhere and um you're accompanied by the greats of Africa, you know, you're Binyavanga or Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela, but you don't get to speak to a billion people who are in Africa, but you have the chance to have a t-shirt on that has a message on it. And this message will be con- will be seen by billions of people, Africans, what would that message be? Hey, see your questions require as, people as, to as, think. As, as, as simple 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 that statement. What is a quote that you don't want people to hear from you? Um, I think be brave. Be brave. Be brave. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. one thing to say it, but to do it, I think you need a constant reminder. Yeah, yeah. And a follow-up to that would be, um, are you a, an ardent reader? And if you are, what are some of the books that you gift most often or would recommend for people to read? Um, the last book that I really enjoyed was by Issa Rae. Um, the awkward, what, what is it called? Yes, The Misadventures of an Awkward Girl. Thanks, Maria. Yes, <laughs> that was a really awesome book. And right now I'm reading um, Homecoming by, yes, it's a Ghanaian name. I'm going to mess it up. Ghanaian, that's amazing. Yeah. Homecoming. Home- yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a wonderful book. It's a little deep and. Is this the one about generations and? Yes, I've read it. yeah, like there are two sisters who are separated at birth. One goes into slavery. Yeah. One goes another yeah. direction, and so I'm at the point where their journeys and their children oh, are starting man. to. That was such a dope experience. Now that I remember it. Yeah, mm. it's a wonderful yeah. book. I was gifted by a friend of mine, so yeah. I'm reading it super slowly. Okay, yeah, take your yeah. time. Do your thing. Yeah. Um, any any. Uh, current um, uh, artists that you're listening to and really enjoying? You know me and my Saudi soul die hard. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I love them forever. Yeah. I love Lisa Odwar. I just don't think her voice yes, is from this planet. Yeah. I think she sounds amazing. I love Noel, Deritu. I love Riga. He's my Riga. cousin, oh, but yes. I have to love he him anyway. Get a chance to speak about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, Riga is really dope. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. Very yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. I mean, right now I embrace everything Kenyan. I'm, that's just the ones I can mention. But anyone who's making an effort, um, you have my support all the way. Yeah, yeah. So, so. Um, my last question is: If you 
it, you had a chance to have dinner with two people dead or alive once mm-hmm. in a lifetime opportunity who who those two people be Trevor Noah I love him and Barack Obama Barack Obama yeah um, so, so. there was a great quote by our last guest um we are the ones we've been waiting for and attributing attributing that to Obama yeah. that stuck with me we are the ones we've been waiting for oh. that was from Obama from I didn't even realize that he said that yeah, he you said see that. now when you have dinner with him i'm sure they just all those gems <laughs> like, that every, you just keep every, your phone every sentence and is, is, a, is a quote is yeah. a yeah. and quote. then you make a t-shirt and make some money yeah here you go <laughs> so thank you so so much thank Manze, you for, for having me it's for been saying. a wonderful to have ah. such a recollection of where i've come from and hopefully where i'm going where you're yeah. going for sure yeah. and, yeah. and then yeah where you're going in terms of that what what should people look out for from you Um like I said I really want to churn out content um and I think getting more into production work behind the scenes just trying to find out how it works so that when I'm starting to produce my own things I'm not coming from a green place I'll have knowledge Okay yeah, yeah. all the best with that Thank um, you thank you so much for having me Fantastic if people want to say hi maybe compliment you on a project you put out etc etc uh, where would they reach Learn you Learn from you Um you know I respond to my messages anything that is not you know lewd mm. I respond to so you can always reach me on social media Miss Mwandanda um there're not many of us so if you and I have my face there so you know that I'm the real one Is is, is Mwandanda somewhere from the Yes from Taita From Taita yes. okay yeah yeah okay. you can Ms. find Mwandanda. me on Facebook mm. Instagram um YouTube and Twitter All right fantastic The, thank you thank so you. much for making thank time. Thank you for and having me come really learned from this thank and uh, you. we hope that the people who are listening will also learn. Yeah, and besides learning we've also enjoyed it. Asante thank you. Thank you. You guys are a joy to talk to as well. Hey. Lovely to thank hear. you for saying that and we wish you so much sunshine. Can, can you say that again? Goodness. I think and then you, you, you can cut that out just for me, yeah. And play it out. Um yeah. No, but we wish you we wish you nothing but joy and thank goodness. Thank you. Thank and you. fulfillment. Thank you. I appreciate that and I wish the same for both of you. Asante sana. Asante sana. So there you have it folks. Uh until the next episode. Keep uh growing. Keep being sunshine itself, right? Yeah, keep mm. growing. Um keep learning. Remember, the most important thing for you is to continuously work on your capacity to learn. Mm. And also change your mind. I think that's also a very important thing. Definitely. Yeah. Uh I have been uh, your host Kekodu and Commander and as you know we always say stay busy being born because if you're not busy being born then you're probably busy not living peace, peace. thank you for listening to our podcast do look out for more from us for now kwahiri